Welcome to the Zero Podcast. My name is John Gorvat. I'm the South Campus Pastor here at Frontline. And uh, the Zero Podcast, again, is just a chance for us to capture some more uh, conversation around each pillar of Zero. And today, um, we're talking about Zero Lost Among Us. And this is one of my favorite things that we talk about. And I'm honored to have our guest, Brad Vanderson. Brad is a now-gen pastor here at Frontline and honored to be uh, in the room with you. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. For sure, for sure. So tell us a little bit about you. What was kind of your first interaction with Frontline? How long you been here? All that good stuff. Yeah, so I came here uh, about seven years ago, so back in 2010. Uh, My wife now, we weren't even dating at the time, were uh, just looking for a church to really belong to and call our own. Uh, Both of us had had a lot of major life transitions that had happened uh, before we found Frontline. And so we were just looking for a fresh start somewhere um, and we got plugged in really quickly. Uh, We absolutely fell in love with this community. Um, I got really passionate early on about working with our students here at Frontline. I just fell in love with them as people. Um, and obviously I work with them full time as a job now. So yeah. um, we are, we're fully invested here and we absolutely love this community. That's cool. Well, so today we're kind of talking a little bit about why it's so important to us and why it's central to that zero vision of uh, zero lost among us. Mm-hmm. And we've probably could sit here for a long time and share stories about uh, people who've who've been an expression of that vision. And even our stories obviously mm-hmm. reflect that as well as people who are following after Jesus. But why do you think zero loss among us uh, needs to be or is so central to our church? Yeah. So I think it um, really, if you look at the call of Jesus, the Great Commission, Um, it's this idea that we are called to go into every corner of this world and make his name and his will and his way of living known to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look at the narrative of the Bible, it is filled with people who take this mission really seriously um, and live it out to the extremes. And so I think this is central to the mission of the global church, not just frontline as a church, but who we are as followers of Jesus is um, to go out into our world, to make disciples, to teach people what it means to follow him. And so seeking out those people, seeking out the hard people, uh, the people that are far from him, I think is absolutely central to what we do. Yeah. Why do you think too, I mean, just talking about the, the capital C church, why do you think it's so easy to get distracted from that? Yeah. So I think we're in a unique spot here in West Michigan. Yeah. Um, there's like, what, 700 churches around yeah. us. I mean, we are saturated all around us. And I think it's really easy to get caught up in our either denominational bubbles that we find ourselves in, or um, just even caught up within the four walls of the church building that we meet. And I think, um, I think being unified that ultimately we have the same goal and that's to make Jesus's name known in our world and to, to bring people to know and love him. Um, I think that, yeah, it's really important to really expand beyond the walls in which we meet to, to gather together and make that Mm -hmm. mission happen because no single church building or church entity can do it on our own. And so it's partnering together to make that happen in the world. Right. I'm curious too, did you kind of grow up around church? Um, unpack some of that story because yeah. now, I mean, you're a part of it here and obviously you can hear just the passion behind Zero Lost Among Us. Was that something that you grew up with or is that something that over the years uh, Jesus has cultivated within you? Yeah, so I would say both. To okay. that. So I grew Perfect. up in a Christian home. Um, we went to church every single Sunday, every single Wednesday. Um, from kindergarten through 12th grade, I was in a Christian school. And so okay. you could say I was immersed yeah. in the Bible and, and what it meant to be a Christian. But I think at the same time, 
really being able to take this personally, really yeah. having a passion to see people come and know and love Jesus yeah. is something that's been cultivated more in my own life and also in my involvement here in this community. Interesting. It's cool too, because you get to work with students. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pr a primary part of what you do uh, during the week. Yeah. How have you seen that zero lost among us kind of vision be lived out, even with our students? I mean, yeah. people that are not adults and people that have different yep. challenges. And So first of all, one of the things I would say about this generation of students is that they are passionate about things. <laughs> they yeah. love to grab onto a vision and to live that out. And yeah. one of the biggest ways that I see students living this out is through the power of their invite. And huh. so they, I think there's a lot to be learned from the way that they are willing to be bold in inviting their friends yeah. um, to church. We have, we have stories of students, whole families coming to church because they were the first ones to get plugged in. Wow. And so That's cool. um, students in a lot of ways have led the way for some of their families, for their friends to really get plugged in and to know Jesus. Hmm. That's interesting. We talk a lot about too, um, this whole idea that the the Bible was written to not just inform us, but transform us. Mm -hmm. And every single one of these pillars of zeros is kind of rooted in the story of God and scripture. Mm -hmm. Where do you uh, think is most common or maybe a way that jumps out to you from the story of God uh, that we see zero lost among us being lived out? Yeah, so Jesus himself was obsessed with this. Yeah. I mean, you, you can pull out so many different ways in which Jesus embodied this and lived this out. I think one of the most clear ways is in the parables that he tells in Luke 15. Yeah. So he tells the story of uh, three different stories. The first one is a um, hundred sheep about the shepherd that loses one. He leaves the 99 um, in desperate search for that one. Uh, we also hear the story of a woman who has 10 coins. She loses one, ransacks her house to find that one lost coin. And then finally, and one of the most powerful I think is, is the father whose son rejects him, leaves him. Um, and then eventually in desperation decides to come back home and his father doesn't walk, he doesn't wait at the porch, he runs to right. embrace his son. Um, and, and obviously that gives us a really clear picture of, of God's heart for us and yeah. God's heart for the lost in our world. Right. Um, one of the really cool things, if you, if you dig a little bit deeper in that story, is that when the Jewish people are hearing Jesus say that, in a lot of ways they're hearing their own story of a people mm. who have rejected God, who have been through seasons of wandering and right. exile and lostness. Um, and so for them to hear that you can come home, that you can once again be united with God through the person of Jesus, it's a really powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so if you look at those three stories in Luke 15 that Jesus tells, it's, it's obviously not about having 100 sheep or 10 coins or two found sons. It's about an obsession over the one that is lost. Because like as a dad, I'm a dad of only one kid, but you know, if I had multiple kids, like yeah. losing one of them and still having one found, like that wouldn't be acceptable yeah. as, a, as a dad. And I think God is the same way. I think that's, that's the same heart that he has for us. Um, one of the other places that I think we really see this in scripture yeah. um, is, is a place in Matthew 9 um, where we see Jesus, um, he sees a crowd and, and he sees them and describes them wandering and lost without a shepherd, like yeah. sheep lost without a shepherd. Um, and, and one of the phrases that it says there is that Jesus was moved to compassion. Hmm. And if you look at the Greek, I mean, it literally, it's it's kind of gross, but it's like a bowel <laughs> movement. Like, yeah. like physically there was something in his gut that moved, like his heart moved for these yeah. people uh, that were wandering. Um, and then he describes and, and commissions his disciples to, to go out and uh, to, to go into this plentiful harvest because there are not enough people going out and doing that. Interesting. Yeah, I love that picture of 
Jesus being moved. You think about God being perfect and Jesus uh-huh. being fully man, fully, <laughs> fully God, and you're like, well, he kind of had to be. But it really was like a human and emotional response yeah. to to the brokenness and, and the people. It says, I don't know if it's in Matthew, but in the gospel, it's talking about he longed to gather them like a hen gathers her chicks just yeah. to bring them back. And for him, zero loss, like you said, was an obsession. It was mm-hmm. something that marked every part of his ministry and healing and miracles. Yeah. Why do you think for us, Brad, it's so easy to overlook? I mean, not not all of us would do this intentionally, yeah. but I think a lot of us do it unintentionally. It's just we, we overlook people, we overlook circumstances or situations in which God is desperately trying to, to live out zero loss through us. Like, why do you think it's easy for us to overlook that part of our of our journey. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I'm um, just going back to Matthew nine here. I, I, it's really convicting for me because it, help, it makes me ask the question: When was the last time my heart ached for people that didn't know Jesus? Like, yeah. like do I have the same response that he does? Yeah. Um, and I think there's two reasons why it's easy for us to overlook this. Number one yeah. is because I think it's easy for us to forget what lost felt like. Yeah. For me, growing up in a church, I joke that I was like saved from <laughs> drug, sex, and rock and roll at five years old. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I don't really know the depth of what lost felt like. I don't remember that because I've grown up so much yeah. um, around knowing Jesus, and, and and my entire life has been around that. And so I think that's that's one for me personally. That's one area where it's easy to overlook, sure. just not being able to ex- empathize with that experience. Sure. Um, but on the other hand, there are people in our church, like my friend Joe who throughout high school and throughout his early adult life, I mean, he experienced everything a person could experience from Mm. prison to divorce, to abuse, um, to rage and every kind of pain that you can imagine. Yeah. Um, And when Joe meets Jesus, his life is completely flipped. It's Mm. completely transformed. And for me to talk to Joe about his transformation story and him not be able to share that without tears rolling down his cheeks. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful thing. And I think for those of us that have grown up in the church, we need to expose ourselves to people like Joe, to people who have experienced what it means to really be lost. And that's not to say that, you know, people who grew up in the church, our story doesn't matter. I I think it absolutely does. And I think that uh, we need to live into that and acknowledge that. But I think that's where there's so much power in community. When Mm -hmm. I care about people who have lived into the depth of that loss and I know their stories and they share their stories with me, um, it gives me a new perspective for people who are still living in that lostness and in that darkness. Yeah. And we see this all over the world. And we've talked a little bit about kind of the global capital C church. Mm-hmm. What do you think about uh, zero loss among us gives the church so much energy? I mean, maybe you've been a part of it. I know as frontline, we, we experience this a lot. But what do you think about zero loss gives our church energy and actually fuels this vision forward that nothing else really can do? Yeah. So one of the things that we value a lot here at Frontline is this idea of stories of transformed lives or stories of changed lives. Um, and I think there are a few areas where you can see the Holy Spirit moving more tangibly than people whose lives have been transformed by Jesus. Yeah, it is sure. just such a powerful thing. And, and in staff meetings, once a month, we'll share these stories. And these are just some powerful ways in which we can grab on and see that God is moving within our church. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's what the biggest yeah. way in which I would say that we share those. Yeah, I love it. What do you think too, I mean, in an age of, social media in an age of comparison and an age where you've got um, 
tragedies and all of these things, how do we how do we come alongside people um, that are lost in a way that still connects with them? I mean, there's been movements throughout church history and even in American Christianity of loss being the only thing that matters and whether or not you were going to heaven or hell was the biggest question. And though we're talking, I mean, about that, that is huge and important. What do you think that the church and maybe even as frontline we can uniquely do or yeah. pe- as people we can uniquely do to come alongside those who are lost and still have that vision in mind of what it would look like for zero loss to be among us? Yeah, so um, if I'm being honest, I struggle with the word lost a little bit mm-hmm. um, because you can't ex- exactly go up to somebody and say, you're lost. You yeah. know? That's insulting, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. We see this word used throughout scripture um, to describe people who are far from God. Yeah. Um, but then when we do look at the world around us, when we see people losing everything to natural disasters or refugees fleeing their homes yeah. in, in uh, fear for their lives, um, when we see innocent people being gunned down again and again and um, racism, both overtly and covertly, like all the problems in our country and yeah. in our world that we see right now, I think lost begins to describe it perfectly. Yeah. Um, and then more personally, I think about like my neighbor, Joyce, who recently lost her husband and mm. neither of them know Jesus. Mm. How do you begin to answer some of these questions about life and about yeah. meaning and about uh, hope without Jesus? And I think the answer is you can't, right? You you just, you come to a place where you can't answer those questions. Yeah. And I think, um, I think for us, it's recognizing that zero lost people is not just about eternity. Yeah. It is about eternity. Absolutely. And that's important, but it's about experiencing that there is hope and there is healing and there is wholeness that can be experienced here and now in the midst of everything that we're dealing with. Yeah. I don't think there's a more hopeful message (laughs) on the planet than that. Right. And it's fun too. Um, just sitting here having the conversation, uh, it reminds you of why we do what we do. It mm-hmm. reminds us as, as followers of Jesus. Again, we exist to grow in likeness to Jesus, but that drives us even deeper into the brokenness of our world too, which is a, a weird tension that we live in, yeah. especially in an age of of social media where it's really easy to to love people that we naturally would love and to not think about people who are lost who we wouldn't naturally yeah. think about. And I think that goes exactly back to what we talked about with Jesus in Matthew 9. Yeah. Does does our gut move for people that don't know him? Right. Yeah, it's huge. Describe maybe, I mean, you serve in a variety of roles and uh whether it's now gen or just bringing vision uh, to our discipleship path here at Frontline or other things, what would a church look like? I mean, real practically, drill down as far as, as deeply as you can, yeah. but describe what a church would look like that took this vision personally. And we you acknowledged some of that already, but what, what kind of people would we be? What kind of community would this be? What kind of neighbors will we be? Like paint a picture for us of what that would look like if we just took it personally. Yeah. So I think it begins with fighting against individualism that we experience all over the place. Yeah. So obviously our culture is very individualistic. We even see that in our churches as well. Um, and so many of us live in a way that doesn't take responsibility for our neighbor, that doesn't ache for, for their well-being like yeah. we should. I, I know I'm guilty of that. Um, but And there are times and conversations that I avoid with specific people because it either makes me feel awkward or uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I think it begins 
with a willingness to say comfort is not the highest value to which I'm being called. Yeah. The gospel always champions cost over comfort. Yeah. And so I think it begins with people that are willing to get a little bit uncomfortable yeah. to go and have some of those conversations to start building some of those relationships with people that we may not immediately want to build relationships with yeah. or engage in conversations with. Uh, but I think it goes even beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for some of us, it does start with a conversation. Um, but moving beyond that, at, at some point, we got to make an invite. Yeah. We got to invite people into this lifestyle, into this community that has meant so much to each of us. Yeah. And if we really, like, if we really understand how much Jesus has transformed us, we should be bursting at the seams yeah. to make this invite for people. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so... Uh, my hope is that um, we as a church are so burdened by the lostness of people in our world that we're willing to leave the 99 in search of the one. And I think leaving the 99 in search, like obviously we're not shepherds. We're not yeah. physically leaving 99 <laughs> right. sheep for the, for in search of the one. But yeah. what are some examples of ways in which we can leave the 99 for the yeah. one? I mean, I think some of it is leaving the, what we know, what we're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, it's tearing down walls, it's breaking barriers, it's going to the people and the hard places just like Jesus did um, to spread his love and to spread who he is. Um, we use the term one life a lot here mm. at Frontline and, and uh, we've been using this term for years. Um, but basically, one life is this idea that who is the one person in your world that you're close with, but yeah. they're far from God. Hmm. And, and I think that's, that's a challenge for us. I mean, we, can, we have a litmus test for whether or not we're taking this personally. Yeah. Do you have a one life? Right. Do you have a name and a face of a person that comes up for whom your heart breaks because they don't know Jesus? Right. And I think that's the first step in, in taking this seriously hmm. is identifying who that one life is and then beginning to take steps after that to invite them into this incredible story that we've been invited into. That's awesome. What do you, what would kind of your wisdom or advice be to someone who may be listening to the, this podcast and 100% buys the vision of Zero and even acknowledges that Zero Lost Among Us is probably God's will for us? And, um, but inside of them, there's really no desire or motivation to make that known in their lives. I know I've been in that place. It's the kind of prayers you pray. I want to want you, God. I want to want uh, to reach out to lost people. What would be some, uh, not hacks, but tips that you'd give them? I mean, what are some ways that they can step forward into that if they're listening yeah. today? It's like, that just doesn't describe me right now. Yeah. So I would say begin by engaging with people in this community at Frontline that are passionate about that. Mm. Let their passion leak out in, yeah. in, into you. <laughs> like, yeah. like just start asking them questions and getting engaged with it because I don't think there's a single uh, Christian that would disagree that this is important. Right. Like, like I think we would all make that statement. It's whether or not we're willing to, to make the sacrifices to reach out into our relational circles and in our worlds yeah. to make it happen. And so beginning with engaging with people here that are already doing it, um, and then starting with with maybe an easy first step. Like, mm. like who are people that you already have relationships with, that you're right. already comfortable with? Um, maybe it's you know changing the language you use around those people. Maybe mm. it's it's showing them that there is something different about you, that something has been transformed in you. Um, I don't know that all of us need to start with some massive, huge step. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the small, first, easy steps that you can do, but also challenging you not to stay there, yeah. to be willing to take some of the harder steps beyond that too. Right. And then just asking God to, to have our hearts broken and move for the same things that 
that break and move his heart. Yeah. Um, asking God to give us eyes to see in our world. Like, like maybe right now it's just a matter of us not seeing it. Hmm. Um, and so learning to see the person on the street corner just yeah. a little bit differently that's yeah. begging for money, learning to shift our perspective on some of the racism that we see in our country right now. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's just praying that God shifts our perspective a little bit. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, one thing we've talked about with these zero pillars um, in other podcasts as well is just the, the idea and I guess sort of the reality as well that when we're living out each one of these zeros, um, it's going to cause us to at times be at odds with our culture. How does zero lost in some ways run against what is normal and acceptable and convenient in our culture that someone who's like, okay, I'm bought in, I'm, gonna, I'm going to live this out, I'm going to practice this, what are they going to face if, if they do? Yeah, so I think, uh, I think this really hits um, head on with some of, of where our culture is right now and some of where it's headed. Yeah. Um, I think we have, um, we have a culture right now and people that really value um, protecting um, what we've built, protecting what is ours. And zero loss people really shatters that in some ways. Mm. It's recognizing that that the church is actually a lot bigger than we like to make it. The kingdom of God yeah. is actually a lot bigger than we like to make it. Yeah. Um, and so it's being willing to go to the hard places. I had the opportunity to go to Haiti this last June. And yeah. um, for me, one of the biggest takeaways that I had from that is that the church is so much bigger than Frontline. And it's so much bigger than the church in West Michigan. Yeah. And so much bigger than even the church in America. Yeah. Uh, the church is this big, beautiful, global community. Um, and I think for me, being able to expand that and see that and see that Haitian people are made in the image of God, just like my neighbor is made in the image of God. Mm. And so I think that um, that in a culture that likes to, to protect what is ours and protect ourselves, it's, it's really making ourselves less. I mean, isn't that the whole, the whole theme of zero, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Philippians too, about this yeah. idea of making ourselves less. Yeah. That fundamentally goes against <laughs> everything we believe as yeah. Americans, everything. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a willingness to make ourselves less, to make his name greater, to make Jesus more known in our world. Yeah. I love that. And I love, um, in some ways, the big challenge that is yeah. uh, you and I have to, will face and others who are listening who take this vision personally will face. At the same time, Jesus says that as we do that, um, he will be with us always yeah. and will give us mm -hmm. the power to do that. And I think that's one of the most encouraging things about Zero is that mm -hmm. this isn't just a good idea. Yeah. Um, it's a God idea. And yeah. we actually get to participate yeah. in something that he's really excited yeah. about. And that what I love about the language around the Zero campaign is this idea that um, number one, it doesn't happen without some kind of divine, <laughs> divine yeah. intervention. Yeah. I mean, like, like this is an impossible thing yeah. to accomplish without God leading the way on it. Yeah. The other piece of it is it's an impossible thing to accomplish without all of us invested in it and willing yeah. to make sacrifices and willing to live into it with everything that we are. Yeah. No, it's good. That's a lot to think about. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's challenging. I mean, we introduced it for the first time back in 2015 and yeah. it has challenged and wrecked me and made me think about things in different ways, even working at a church full time. It's, yeah. it's really changed me. And I hope that it continues to change us, to transform us yeah. um, and to, to call us in to be the type of church that God wants us to be. Yeah. 
I love it. Well, thanks for uh, yeah. participating. Thanks for sharing some of your heart behind Zero Lost um, with us in conversation. Absolutely. Any thanks. final thoughts or words? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. I'm excited for this series, um, and I'm excited for us to continue exploring ways in which we can live out this idea of Zero Lost people in our world. For sure. Awesome. Thanks, cool. Brad. Appreciate it. Thank you, it. John.